Welcome to another episode of the Water Women Podcast, the podcast all things ocean. I'm your host, Jill. Rachel is a marine ecologist, a Patty Master Scuba instructor, and a USCG 100 ton licensed captain. So basically, she's a super cool water woman. Rachel, welcome to the Water Women Podcast. Let's uh, get talking about you a little bit. What are you doing now for your jobs? Hi. Um, right now, I am a bit stranded at home with the pandemic. So I spend most of my time uh, working online for my remote job. And I get a few days on the water with one of my captain jobs. And I volunteer a lot of my time giving presentations for different groups. So that's, that's kind of what I'm doing right now. You, your jobs have been affected by COVID-19, I'm sure. So if that wasn't happening, what would you be doing? What are your, what's your daily kind of look like? Oh, hold on. Let me see. Today is September 16th. So if there was not a global pandemic, I would probably be somewhere in British Columbia, Canada, or oh my goodness, right now. Cool. Yeah. So, what would you be doing there? Like, what do you uh, what's what do you do? What's your job title, kind of thing? Okay, so I have three. I'm I'm a <laughs> contractor, right? So I go work for several different companies as a marine ecologist, as a captain, as an instructor. Um, so, so when I'm sitting at home right now and I'm working remotely, I'm working for Dive Heart, which is a training agency, so scuba diving training agency and a nonprofit. And I'm the head of their entire training department. So they focus on building confidence, independence, and self-esteem in the lives of children, adults, and veterans with disabilities through scuba diving, scuba therapy, and related activities. And we also have courses for able-bodied individuals to learn how to be buddy divers for those adaptive divers. And we offer global trips so that uh, when there's not a pandemic, we can take the adaptive divers on trips and they can explore the world too. That is cool in Canada though. <laughs> but that's one of my jobs. So I'm trying to answer your questions in an order that will eventually make sense. But so the other thing I do when I'm home right now is I'm a captain at the Coral Restoration Foundation. I live in the Florida Keys and they're a nonprofit that's based here and they have the ocean's largest coral nursery and their mission is to restore coral reefs and to educate others on the importance of our oceans and then use science to further coral research and coral monitoring so we can hopefully restore our reefs. And then finally, the third job, the reason that I should be in Alaska or Canada right now is I'm an undersea specialist, naturalist, and expedition diver for Lindblad and National Geographic expeditions. So they have a partnership, Lindblad and Nat Geo have a partnership to provide adventure travel experience that allows anyone to go see and explore like 
the planet's most extraordinary, crazy places in the company of scientists and naturalists, photographers, because it's not geo, and researchers. And then, you know, we go exploring, we have some cool tools that we use. And that's what I should be doing right now. But okay, that is the coolest thing ever. <laughs> yeah, it's probably the quote unquote job that I'm excited <laughs> to be a part of. So oh, you are so cool already. And we just were like four minutes into the episode. <laughs> Thanks. It was a lot of work. But yeah. Uh, so I kind of get to travel the world with that job. And I get to do it while I'm working with a bunch of nerds. So like the guests are surrounded by nerds and they're excited to learn. And we are so excited to tell them all the things about all the wild places and all the critters. So that's what I should be doing. But with the pandemic, our expeditions have been shut down since about mid-March. So I've spent almost an entire summer at home. I guess summer's over. Is it fall yet? I don't, I think it's hard. Like it's like half fall, half summer, that weird in-between time. Yeah, I don't know. In Florida, it's just always summer, so I get confused. <laughs> I love that. That's a very, it's like a very special, specific thing that you're doing. How did you find that? Like, is it something that you grew up around or grew up around doing or? Not. Like, the really short answer is no, not at all. <laughs> I've never even heard of it. Like, I knew what Nat Geo was. I, I grew up with National Geographic magazines and, uh, what was he called? Ranger Rick? He was like this cute little raccoon. Oh my goodness. I totally forgot about that. Yeah. I had those. Like they were exciting. And I'd be, you know, every, back when we like got things in the mail, um, I'd be so excited. I would know like in the next couple of days, it was going to be my magazine day. And I was so excited to read them. Uh, so no, I didn't grow up. And I actually, I grew up landlocked uh, on a farm homeschooled, I'm the oldest of four, in upstate New York, and we raised alpacas. We also had chickens and dogs and cats. And looking back on that, like I didn't have ocean experience, but I can see signs now that I was going to be an educator because our, our farms and some of the other alpaca farms around us, we used to have open houses in the fall. I miss it. And we would just let people come on the farm so they could see what we're doing. And my favorite station, quote unquote, to be was like in the pens with the alpacas where I could let people pet them and I could tell them all about the alpacas. And I was just so excited to nerd out and just tell people, like, as long as you stood there, I was going to tell you things. <laughs> oh. I love that. So again, going on with the coolest thing ever, like what a cool place to grow up. Mm -hmm. not very not very ocean-based but so you like science communication has always kind of been part of you and what you've done yeah I just didn't know that's what it was for a long time <laughs> <laughs> it was just you talking about what you loved which is so important to do so I love that you got to do that and that helped you find where you are now yeah so how did you get involved with ocean scientific communication? Where did that come from? Because upstate New York, you're not exactly, uh, you're not far from the ocean, but you're not exactly close. Yeah. Um, well, first, like originally I wanted to be a vet. 
and classic uh, yeah just growing up around all the animals we had a really cool vet that was like a mobile vet she'd go to all the farms and and I worked with her for a summer going to farms and then in the afternoon we did small animal and I learned that I am allergic to everything <laughs> cute small fuzzy I'm allergic to it so I <laughs> I changed gears and I was a swim team kid I always loved the water and I'd wanted to dive forever but no one in my family did so my mom was kind of like eh. uh, so for college I was like why don't I go for something in the marine realm because I I'm not allergic to things in the ocean <laughs> so so that's kind of how I fell into that and my first love is actually ecology so just interconnectedness of living organisms with their environment and then I specifically went for a double majored, so I did ecology and marine biology because I like ocean things. So, <laughs> so that's kind of what I did there. And when I was in college, I had to do an internship to graduate. I also had to get scuba certified to graduate. So mom had no more choices. <laughs> <laughs> and this internship that I did, it was with the Boston Sea Rovers, which is a organization that's based out of Massachusetts, but they kind of cover New England. So I went to school okay. in Maine. Probably that will help Maine. The state in Maine? Help. Yep. Cool. So I, I got this internship with the Boston Sea Rovers and I ended up traveling all over the USA and Canada. They would just move me around like every other week to explore marine careers so i worked with people in like every marine career field you can think of i probably worked with somebody in that during one summer it was really exciting super overwhelming glad i did it but the two the two things that for me i found the most enjoyable one of them i spent time at the new england aquarium which is in boston and i did a lot of things with them including behind the scenes but one of the one of my like stations I had to, I got to, I didn't have to, I got to try working in was being just an educator on the floor around the exhibits. So they would just be like, okay, go stand in front of the lobster tank and tell people about lobsters. And I was like, <laughs> what, really? That's what I, have? okay. <laughs> and, and so they just would move me around to station, be like, and facts, go. <laughs> so that was really fun. And the other, the other really big opportunity is they sent me to Newfoundland, Canada, and I got to work with a, a company that was all ecotourism. So they did, they did fishing, they did kayaking, hiking, scuba diving, and snorkeling with humpback whales because it's Canada and they don't have the Marine Mammal Protection Act, so you could do that. And I got to both participate in activities, but then also kind of be like a mini guide in training. So it was more of Rachel, whale facts, go. And I was like, okay, whale facts. And I just had a lot of fun sharing like the actual outdoors with people because they would take me on hikes and I've never been on this hike. And they'd be like, all right, where are we going? And I'm like, what? Okay. <laughs> so, you know, it was, that was really cool. And those I think are two of the things I was like, wow, how do I how do I do that? But I, I, yeah, so I guess that's kind of what made me want to do that. But at the time, 
I spent a whole summer doing a lot of things. So everything was cool and exciting. And it, it took, takes me a while before I figure out that those were the best parts for me. So you, uh, you got to experience a lot of different things with that, which is super awesome. Kind of gave you a good outlook of like, oh yeah, this is definitely what I want to do. So that's yeah. awesome. Why do you think educating people about the ocean and like science, scientific communication is so important? And like, what is ecotourism? Oh gosh. Okay. <laughs> Big question. Yeah. Eh? Yeah. That's, a, that's like a super loaded question. It's two questions. So I'm going to focus on, let me, I'm going to start with like, why is educating and the ocean important? And if I have to try to put it into words, it's probably going to be several. So perfect. So that's fine. here we go. <laughs> okay. I, I think if you want an image, I love being the person that shines a light into the ocean for people. So I love telling stories and taking some of those, you know, more hardcore research and science, like ecological processes that are happening in the ocean, all that stuff I find cool and nerdy. I like to be able to take it, turn it into a story and, and give it to a, give it to people in a way that they can kind of access it and relate to it. So that process of disseminating, that's my big word, disseminating the science into an easily understood form that's accessible to many education levels, kids, you know, all the way up to adults, retired adults, and people very educated in their own right. Um, so I like to be able to talk to them in a way that's going to elicit kind of a conversation afterwards. And so that's what's really front, like fun and important to me. And I would say like, why is it the ocean specifically is honestly, like most people really only have a superficial awareness mm. of the importance of the ocean and what's going on in there. And oh, absolutely. Yeah. And just how important the ocean is to life of all things on earth. I mean, oh my goodness. Yes. This is, yeah, they, the ocean produces 50% half. So every other breath you take of oxygen. That is literally one of my favorite facts because when you tell people their face just like drops, they're like, wait, what? It's not trees. And you're like, no, no, no. And that's, oh my God, that's so huge. And you know, <laughs> then you can get into the fact that the ocean's a source of food and medicine. It controls global climate. Like climate change is ocean change. And I've talked to you all day about that, but, but yeah, like the ocean also provides energy supplies, jobs, it supports economies like me <laughs> and the ocean reveals a lot of information about the planet that like, we can't find that out anywhere else, but in the ocean, you have to go there to find out that stuff. So, and it's just cool. It's like the ocean's really freaking cool and impressive. It has uh, the largest mountains, right? They're actually in the ocean. Yes. Not Deepest canyons and, you know, all of the cool critters and some of them, they look like they're out of some kind of sci-fi. I, I think most sci-fi is just based on the ocean. Maybe we should just say that. But then there's like the stunning corals and kelp forests. It's, you know, it's the final frontier of our planet. And I think we've only actually explored something ridiculous, like 5% of it. And it's like 70% of the planet. That's, that's crazy. 
Yeah, so, like you, we hardly know anything about it so far, which is just absolutely insane to me. Yeah, that that blows my mind. That's the exploring part that I love, and yeah. and I think like the final, the final pieces for me is we need a a public that's interested in this and they're engaged in all things ocean. So so they can make better decisions in their daily lives, maybe their career choices, if there's somebody young and seeking out a new career, or they just want to change careers. And just having this knowledge can even support movements and legislation that'll help better protect our oceans and our climate. So I guess it's important to me because I've seen it interactive with some of those amazing animals ecosystems, and I just really enjoy sharing them. So yeah, that my stories and information get other people's to fall in love. So yeah, love that. <laughs> that kind of brings us to ecotourism. So we can talk a little bit about like, what is ecotourism? And why do you think it's an important good thing or a good thing that's happening? Yeah, oh man, this is fun. Okay, so <laughs> Tourism, it's, you just break it down, like, eco is, like, we say eco-friendly, so it has something to do with the earth, and then tourism is tourism. So it's it's all about exploring natural environments, uh, typically in some kind of structured way, like maybe with a park ranger, or a guide, or an expedition company, like what I'm doing. And as as the tourist or the guest, you get to go learn about where you are while you're seeing it. And there's a lot of stuff about like, we're not gonna damage it, leave it as we found it, minimal impacts, leave no trace kind of mindset. And typically ecotourism is focused on visiting endangered, fragile, and like really pristine, undisturbed natural areas. It's very education focused. So you're going on vacation to learn, but it's really cool because it's really pretty and learning is fun. And ecotourism is typically more of a boutique setting. So it's like smaller groups and they're trying to have very low impact on not just that location, but the world. So for example, I work with Lindblad and National Geographic expeditions and ships that were on and all of the travel of people on their like final leg to the ship we offset everything so that the company is 100% carbon neutral that even includes like the people sitting in our offices making reservations and there's no single use plastic on board the ships anywhere we have an entire team dedicated to coming up with greener and more sustainable ways to improve our operations and anyone in the company can submit ideas and they go before our like our green desk and to like see how we can if it's if it's good if we can adapt it how do we implement it so it's like a team effort on you know the back end side so i i think ecotourism tourism is just super important because it lets people see and get connected to wild places while they're in them so then absolutely then they understand what they're protecting and they can be good ocean and just global stewards. I think it is a very, very important thing. And like we were saying earlier is like, it introduces you to something that you might not be super familiar with. Like a lot of people who 
know about the ocean might not have ever been in the ocean or get a chance like if there's somewheres that they can get a chance to go dive in the ocean it's an awesome time or opportunity for an educational kind of thing and be like hey like you're seeing some cool things here like you're seeing some cool corals here's what's happening to the corals here's why it's happening here's what's causing it here's what you can do to help and it's really awesome that they're getting like that's an opportunity that people can have to mm-hmm. learn more about things and to experience it rather than just read about it. And yeah. I think it is also important to always like make sure you're doing your research on which ones you're using because majority of them awesome. And then you just have to make sure that they're obviously like not being like, here, come see corals, take a coral with you when you go kind of thing. Oh like just gosh. <laughs> common sense when you yeah. when you're using these ecotourism things. Yeah. Yeah. You, do, you want to avoid greenwashing, which is just them saying things, but not actually practicing what they're preaching. Uh, Absolutely. And I mean, I'll just, I'll just tangent for a second. So please do. when I'm on the ships, I do a lot of different things because I have a lot of different qualifications, right? So I'm an instructor for scuba diving. So I'm, a, you know, a pretty qualified diver, always learning. And that means on these expeditions, I get to go scuba diving. So when we're in Alaska or British Columbia, where I'm supposed to be right now, um, it's just it's just me and one other person. We're part of an undersea team that is part of our field staff group. And our field staff is like the group of naturalists and your, your Nat Geo photographer and the person that's videoing everything. So everyone gets a video at the end and our expedition leaders. But within the field staff, there's a a two-person team on the ship, and we're the undersea team, and we go diving. And when we go diving, we take cameras, and we take photos and videos of what we're seeing. And sometimes we're diving in places, potentially no one's ever dove in before. We're like, hey, that little cove over there with that cool rock looks neat. Let's go there. And that's, that's the extent of our planning. So, you know, we do a bit more, but seriously, that's sometimes how we choose. Let's look at that spot. So we have no idea what we're going to find. And then we film whatever it is. We come back to the ship and there's like a little mini library and the library is mostly field guides. <laughs> so we try to identify <laughs> what we found if we don't know what it is. And then later in the evening, maybe during cocktail hour, everyone's feeling good or after dinner, we show our very like quickly edited footage and tell them what we found. So we might go diving while they're going hiking or doing something else. And, and this way, when they come back, they get to see like a 360 degree view of the place they're visiting. Cause not everybody's going to be certified and we have to be dry suit certified cause we're in cold water and that's a lot to ask of, of people. Yeah. Really lets us show them like everything, the whole underwater world. So that's what really gets gets me jazzed. <laughs> Water Women Podcast is so excited to be partnering with Caitlin McCall, an eco-conscious diver, for the launch of the new course, a complete introduction to marine conservation. Trying to learn more about marine conservation and how to implement it into your own everyday lives can be 
very overwhelming. There's lots of rabbit holes and misinformation that can be found on Google, but this step-by-step -step guide from Caitlin is the best place to start and allows you to make marine conservation a part of your life every single day in the easiest way possible. Only six hours of at-your-own-paced online material stand between you and your future of marine conservation. Make sure you use the link in our bio to get the course at a discounted price for a limited time. We can't wait to hear what you do with this. So how is ecotourism? Like, how can people find ecotourism? Where's your favorite ecotourism place that you've been? Like, what? Yes. So ecotourism, you can find it anywhere you live it's really just a Google search away. And it can be as much as going to a state or a local park that maybe has rangers or education programs and just, you know, go follow them around on one of their walks and then explore on your own. But to get, so if you want to go global, then you're looking at, you know, you're searching ecotourism companies and there's lots and lots of different ones you know, National Geographic and Lindblad Expeditions were not the only one. So, you know, whatever's close to you or going to the place you want to go, those are, those are the kind of companies I look for. And yeah, you're really, it's just finding somebody that's got a guide with them. And then you asked one of my favorite places that I've been is actually in Costa Rica. Costa Rica is like goals. Okay, so their country has almost 30% of all of their terrestrial and marine environments protected already. And that's what most, most countries are aiming for 30% by 2050, I think. I'd have to look that back up. But Costa Rica is like, we're just going to blow everyone out of the park. Hold on. So it is stunning. And there are so many cool tours and things. So I've I've done like caving, like spelunking with a guide. And so they're, you know, taking you so you don't die. But also classic. like this, you know, this stalactite looks this way because of this. And that bat is cool because of why and all of that. And then I've also been scuba diving there and they have some of the healthiest reefs that I've seen so far. So, and there's just, you know, there's also, I love the teeny things like Udebrang my favorite but really? it is hard to not get excited when there's a like 25 foot manta ray in front of you so oh, absolutely yeah so i've just had a lot of really cool experiences there because then they have five biomes so five different kinds of ecosystems i don't know if i can name them all but there's like jungle cloud forest which is really high forest uh yeah ocean and they have the Pacific and the Atlantic Ocean. They have volcanoes. I don't know. They have everything. It's really neat. So I like going there. And they're huge adventure travel, like, country ziplining. They're here for it. It's, like, oh, it's so cool. I think they have the largest, either it's the tallest or the longest zipline in the world. I forget. Cool. Just because Alaska's tallest. I don't know. I've done them both. They're great. <laughs> <laughs> both great. Both awesome. Both should be on your list to check out. Hey? Yes. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Now that's super awesome. 
Uh, I think we should talk a little bit about something about you that is super, super cool. And that is the fact that you are licensed to captain a 100 ton vessel because I feel like just saying 100 tons doesn't get the point across about how huge that is. Like, that's massive. It is. So, I don't know how to put perspective, but think like 10 houses or something. 10? Oh my God. How did that happen? What made you want to get licensed to captain that? And how did you do it? Okay. So, oh, this is one of those stories where, you know, I sound super happy and excited, but it wasn't always super happy and excited. Like there is breakage on the path to becoming a diamond. Like we all feel the pressure. And to become a captain, I had to break. So I was working for a dive company, a tourist company as an instructor for a couple of years between like 2013 and 20, uh, 2016, something like that. 13 to 16, 17, that, that realm. And I scuba dived so much. I taught so many courses and was the guide for so long that I got burnt out and I actually felt out of love with diving and out of love with the ocean for a little bit. So, so I had to break and now getting up to go dive in a national marine sanctuary was not fun. It was like annoying. And yeah, And I was like, I know I still love the ocean. I can't find it right now, but I know it's in there. So maybe I need a new goal. Maybe I feel like I've tapped out where I'm I'm at learning was. Maybe I need to learn something new and that will help reinvigorate my love. So I decided to pursue being a captain because I already had the sea time. You have to have 720 days at sea and you don't have to be the captain or be the, the uh, like be on just, the whole time. You just have to be like, go out on a ship, be out at, to sea for at least four hours and then come back. But you can go diving during that four hours. Like it's, I don't know. Uh, cool. So I had the time. So I, um, I decided to start pursuing it and my boyfriend was also pursuing it. So we did it together and it was kind of daunting, especially as a woman, but I had a lot of support. And we did our test. Uh, you, you actually, you learn, and I, we did it online. So it took us like two months to get through this course. Then you go for a day of testing, and then you submit all your paperwork, and USCG stands for United States Coast Guard. Uh, so they are the governing body, and that's where you sit your license too. And then and you also have to do a medical and a bunch of other stuff, background checks, make sure you're like not a scary person. <laughs> and then, then they send you your license back. And it was actually really cool. I got my captain's license on my 25th birthday, which <laughs> is also my golden year. Cause I was born on the 25th of that month. Oh my goodness. It was kind of like all the rays of sunshine happened. I was like, okay, like we're doing something and this something is right. And all right, like, let's get back in love with the ocean. What a good feeling that must have been. Yeah. Just was like, all right, golden year. Here we come. Yeah. I love that. 
I know exactly yeah. what you mean when you say it's easy to fall out of love with the ocean sometimes or not easy but that feeling of falling out of love with the ocean and it's such a hard feeling because it's something that you've had so much passion for and you love it so much and then all of a sudden you're like why don't I feel the same anymore like I want to love the ocean still but you just yeah. don't have it in you almost yeah and I actually had to leave so during this captain journey we left um I had been in the Florida Keys and during our time here we met a really great friend he's still a great friend and he spent a lot of his life working seasonally for the national park system and he found his park there's a hashtag like find your park find the one that is everything to you and his was in alaska so every year um, alaska season is memorial day to labor day so summer basically but every year for summer he goes up to denali alaska and he has his CDL license, so he can drive school buses and big trucks. And he drives the buses through Denali Park and gives the naturalist bus tours. And, cool. and goes wherever he wants for the rest of his winter season when he's off and the park is closed. And he was like, you guys should do it. So we did. <laughs> and <laughs> we applied. We didn't end up in Denali. We ended up in Glacier Bay National Park, which is in Southeast Alaska. And, oh my gosh, that was the beginning of falling back in love with the ocean because this lodge that we went up there to work at was right on the ocean. We're surrounded by mountains. This is the largest glacier factory in the world. You've got bears and moose and wolves and porcupines of all things, they're everywhere. and. They're so funny. They're just spiky guinea pigs and they make the best sounds. But, and, and you're in, we were in a national park. So there were park rangers everywhere. And there's, the reason people go is to go on the, the tour. It's like an eight hour tour that leaves the lodge, goes up into, we call it up bay, but up into this fjord, which is fancy words for a bay that a glacier carved. And they go look at the glaciers and see the wildlife and there's whales and seals and puffins oh my god puffins um and and so i went up there and i got to see a different part of the ocean and during this time my captain's license was processing because that takes like six months so we went to go do something for six months until it actually you know comes to your hand which was after coming back to alaska yeah back to the keys from alaska so leaving the ocean and going to another part of the ocean is actually what got me to fall back in love with it. I actually fell in love with the cold ocean, which is also where I started, which is kind of funny. <laughs> I started cold. Like, I got <laughs> in New York, in Lake George, where it's really freaking cold. Yeah. So it's kind of funny. I, I left cold, went warm, loved it, fell out of love, went cold, and was like, oh, yeah, you do still <laughs> I love I love that it's cold because usually it's the other way around. People like in the cold oceans are like, oh, I want to be in the like where the warm oceans are, and that like I love that it was reversed for you to fall back in love with it. Yeah, and I'm not saying that I'm not cold, and I'm not saying that I like the cold because I don't like the cold. <laughs> but the critters are worth it. Oh yeah, they're so cool. They are. So what's it like being a captain of such a huge vessel? Like that must make you feel so 
powerful and just in charge yeah. almost. Yes, there there is a bit of the the badass feeling, but most I, yeah. of the time you're just in this like let's be safe, always safe, are we safe right now? Of <laughs> uh, kind of mindset. And you're constantly thinking ahead. Like if you're gonna dock a boat, that is a logistical like whew, undertaking. It's it's oh not a sometimes it's a nightmare, but it's a logistical undertaking. And so sometimes people, you know, they might be up there and they're like chatting with you and you're like not responding anymore <laughs> thinking. Or me, my favorite, and like when you drive a car, you might get this, but if I'm coming in to dock a boat and then music's playing, I need oh, to you have to turn it down. So I can like see better and think, which makes <laughs> no sense. <laughs> I need like less stimulus input so I can fully <laughs> focus. Um, exactly. But yeah, I think at the end of the day, it's just, it's really rewarding. And I've had the privilege of running some dive trips where I'm the captain and my crew is female. And so the whole oh, love that. is run by ladies and I, it's just really cool. Um, yeah. And I've also had those moments where like, I'm an, I'm a nice person. You're getting on my dive boat and you're like, oh, I need weights. And I hear you. I'm gonna come over, ask how much weights you need and, and help you get it or fix your tank or change your O-ring. Like I'm there for you, but it's really funny. Cause then they'll look around and they'll look for the male person on board and they'll be like, Hey captain. And my male coworkers, they always laugh and they're like, I'm not the captain. And, and like, I am. And they're like, wait, what? <laughs> I was like, yep, yeah, just me over here. <laughs> I drive the boat. <laughs> so you're like, ah, that's me in charge. I know. I know. I, I love and I hate that feeling because it's so annoying that people don't think that it could be you that's in charge. Mm hmm. But at the same time, it's so satisfying to be like, oh, it's actually, it's me that you should be talking to for questions. Like not, yeah. not him, me. Yeah, exactly. And, and so I feel that too. And I also feel sometimes that I'm held to a higher standard. So when I am docking the boat, like, I feel like I have to do it all the extra perfect because, mm. you know, some people, whether they realize they're doing it or not, they're watching me do it. And they're like, Ooh, is she going to mess it up? And and you might feel that way as well with any captain, but like, I feel it like on yeah, my, it's, my back. You're more oh. observant of the people noticing you because you're like, are you doing this because you do this with everyone or because I'm a female doing this? Yeah. You're just aware of it. But, you know, at the end of the day, I'm so happy that I get to do it. And I've witnessed a lot of other women pursuing it and I've gotten to help train them. So like overall, I'm so about it and it, it can be a lot at times, but I wouldn't change it. It's one of my favorite things that I've done for myself, you know? I love that. I think it's awesome. It's such a, you don't hear a lot of, at least where I'm from, there's not a lot of female captains. Like I worked for the past four years, I've worked on a boat, but there is no female captains there was one last year who was driving at one of the zodiacs and mm -hmm. i'm like man like what why is there no female captains like where are they i know you're out there so it's awesome to hear that you're doing stuff like that yeah and and i don't want to like be bigger than i am 
just because I have a hundred ton license doesn't mean I'm driving a hundred ton boat. I no. am driving something that's more in that 40 to 60 range. So like a dive Newton, a 45, 46 foot Newton, if you've ever been on one of those, yeah. uh, something like that. And, and then I actually drive a lot of little boats like center consoles and Zodiacs. Uh, but cool. I the ability to drive those big boats, I would need training because every boat's different. Mm. Uh, so that's like the top limit, but I'm typically driving things that are smaller. I do work on boats that are that big or bigger. Yeah. And you could drive them, which is super cool to even just think about that you have that ability to do that if you wanted to. Yes. Two of our ships in the, the Limblad Nat Geo fleet, they're 99 ton ships. And so they're a limit of what I can drive. And I go up on the home and I just kind of look around. And I'm like, oh, this is a lot. <laughs> You're like, huh, maybe I don't want to do this. No, I'm more kind of like, can I try? I love that. See, that's amazing that you're like that because uh, on the boat that I worked on, there'd be times when the captains would be like, oh, hey, like I just have to like run to the bathroom, like just like keep it straight. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. (laughs) Mind you, we're in the middle of the water. Like there's nothing around that I can hit. Like we're going like maybe five knots. Like it's literally nothing. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to kill us all. Like we're all going (laughs) to die. But I'm like trying to keep composed because there's guests on. So I'm like, oh no, I've done this so many times before four and they're like really and I'm like no uh yeah it's man I love it it's so cool so I love that what is there anything that like stands out like are people shocked when you tell them that you're a captain no I think most of the time they eyebrow some of them are pleasantly surprised especially if it's another lady and I've had some of the guys they'll be like you go girl uh but I guess one of the ones I get a lot is how long have you been doing this? Oh, and that is a good one. How, well, we've talked about it since you got, you got it at uh, your 25th 25. birthday. Yes. And if you really want to know, I'm 28. <laughs> so. so not long. No, uh, I'm almost 29 October. But uh, yeah. And I don't know if they're asking me like, how long have you been doing it? Cause they're excited for me and they want to know more. Or if they're needling, because they want to know, like, are you actually good at this? Or did you, like, just start yesterday? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I sure I take it, but I would say that's probably one of the questions I get the most. So, really? I yeah. guess, and you'd think that, uh, you, you like to think that it's people wondering, be like, I, like, not that I don't think you're qualified. I would just ask anyone this, but I'm just nervous to be on this boat. yeah I guess some people think that maybe they're just you know where I work there's a lot of repeat like in the Florida Keys there's a lot of repeat customers so if they haven't seen me on their boat before they might be like oh are you new like how long have you been doing this like where'd you come from so I don't know that maybe they're just trying to relate fact find Um, out of all your jobs, your many jobs, do you have any standout moments, like favorite moments, moments that you, to this day, can't believe happened or anything like that? Ooh, I'm going to take it a different direction. I'm going to give you that, like, whenever I think of this, it literally makes my soul glow, like, and it kind of makes you cry. But in a good Oh, I love that. So... One of the 
one of the contracts that I was working on the Limblad and Nat Geo ships. It kind of ties a lot of things that I have done in my life together, but we were in, where were we? Alaska. We were in Alaska and there was a woman on board with her two sisters and they're all like maybe 10 years past retirement. And this woman was blind and she still wanted to come and she still wanted to go be in Alaska and, you know, see Alaska, but she really didn't want to see, she wanted to experience it. So when you would take this woman on a walk in the woods or on a Zodiac cruise, or you would just be sitting on the bow, she needed somebody to describe it to her. And a lot of times her sisters would, but us as the naturalists, a lot of times, one of us, like we never even talked about it, but we would just be next to her so that we could be telling her things. And so it forced us to really engage with our other senses and be like, let's breathe in. Do you smell that? The reason it smells this way is because all this moss is everywhere and it's filtering the air. And that's why it's squishy under your feet right now and hold it so that you can feel it. Or, oh my God, her biggest moment was we had whales around the big ship. We were on board the big ship and she got to hear whales breathe for the first time in her life. And she was crying and it was just like, oh my God, it was so mad. Oh. And it was also really cool because all the other guests on board took it upon themselves. If somebody wasn't with this woman, they went to her and they described stuff and they wanted to hold her hand because when she was feeling something, oh my God, she'd squeeze your hand so hard. She was just so happy. And it was, it was just beautiful. And it's one of those things that like, just to me, it's like the epitome of how like to connect with people on the importance of our oceans and our climate, you have to connect with people. And it was just, it was just beautiful and it enriched everyone and like, oh, I have all the feels right now. So. That is unbelievable. I'm about to cry and I wasn't <laughs> even there. Right. It's, oh, it's, it's so pretty and you know, I work with Dive Heart and I get to work with individuals from all walks of life with all different types of abilities. So I've had, uh, I've had more than one moment that's kind of <laughs> like this, where, where you get, where you get that because you've shared with someone and, and they don't take it for granted. You know, they are no. so excited to hear a whale breathe. They don't care that the whale jumped or didn't jump. Oh my God, they're next to a whale. Like, yep. it's so cool. I love that. I think it's super cool that uh, it's Dive Heart that you work with that works with, like, uh, accessibility to diving. I think that is super cool and super important. Mm-hmm. Yep. That must be must be a heartwarming job almost yes. all the time. Like It is very rewarding. Most of, like, it's actually a remote position. I, I had a remote position before that was cool. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I've worked for them for almost six years. And... While I do actually go out and dive and sometimes teach courses for them, most of the time I'm behind the scenes, but going on those trips, we have um, like a circle at the end of the trip with 
all the adaptive divers, buddies, and all the extra people that come along too. And you just go around and you say one thing that either you learned or made you happy or that you're thankful for. I kid you not. Like by person two, everyone's crying. <laughs> I can imagine. I, like I haven't even heard it and I'm ready to kind of cry. So yeah. And it's just like these things, like that's why we're alive is to share yeah. with each other and be happy together. And that's why I'm so jazzed to be on those ships to give people those moments and experience them with them. Like, you know, slightly softer. I also want to go there. <laughs> oh yeah. That's, that's the real bit that gets you. Yeah. That makes it, it's kind of the makes it worth it portion mm-hmm. of your job. Yeah. I, I mean, if you can't fall back in love with the ocean after that, I don't know what, can, what I can do. find something else to do. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that is so cool. Now, if people wanted to follow along with you and all your other adventures, where can they find you on social media? Ooh, yeah. Uh, Instagram is my go-to. So my handle is, well, I'm going to have to spell it for you, but it's Chasing Summer and it's spelled funny because that name was already taken. So it's Chasen, C-H-A-S-I-N, Summer, S-U-M-R, and it's all one word. Uh, so yeah, Chasen Summer on Instagram is where you can find me, and reach out to me there. Like if you, I I present on stuff. You guys are getting to learn about me, which is also cool. But I really like telling you guys about stuff. So I don't know if you've got a group of people, a high school, whatever it is hit me up and maybe I've got a topic I can talk to you guys about. So I love yeah. that. I will say following your Instagram is so fun. Just like learning about you, the photos you share are incredibly beautiful and always get, make me jealous that I'm not in the water right then or there. And pretty much every <laughs> post I learn something new. Like you're like, Hey, did you know? And I'm like, no, I did not. So thank you. I love that. <laughs> yeah. I try to, I try to make it kind of the education window into my life. It's, it's not as much of a, I'm trying to make it less of a personal and more of an education. So trying to share fun facts with you guys. I love that. That's super important. Yeah. Once this uh, pandemic gets its life under control and I can get back out on, I'll have more things for me to learn. So I have more things to share with you guys. So if you had any advice for anyone who wanted to kind of get into ecotourism or be a captain or kind of follow your direction, what would it be? Or any advice just in general? Ooh, okay. So I'm going to give you a few things. So let's start with just advice for what to do while you're like home stuck in a pandemic. And (laughs) the thing is to just keep learning. There are Hey, there's so many books that you can be reading or podcasts that you're listening to. And there's actually a lot of free webinars, like the National Marine Sanctuaries, they do free webinars. And there's a lot of colleges doing free webinars. And they're even making, you know, if you're into more science stuff, but a lot of graduate thesis defenses are public right now. So if you're interested in certain research, you can actually watch someone defend their thesis and learn about it. So, yeah, that's really neat. Uh, So it's just, you know, a way to maybe not binge Netflix (laughs) 24-7 and try to find a free webinar for the day. Uh, 
lots of stuff on ocean plastics is too. Most of the stuff I follow is all oceany stuff, but or climate. I I like that intersection point. And then if you're looking for more like career advice, I I would say that like your education is really important, but your experience and your skills and certifications, they're what's going to actually get you hired. You need the education so you've got your baseline and you know kind of what's what, but then you need to start really setting yourself apart. So, you know, go get your CPR and first aid. That's a big one. Wilderness first aid is even, even more better. Um, and then don't start exploring. So hiking, camping, kayaking, traveling when that's a thing, those are, those are big. When I was getting hired for, for my company with uh, Lindblad and Nat Geo, they wanted to know where had I been and what have I seen and done. And so just the fact that I'd gone places was a positive. And you get real world experience and you're gonna meet people that can give you real life advice. So if you're traveling, also talk to people when it's less weird to do that. And if you see somebody right now that's maybe giving that free webinar or just on social media and you just really enjoy following them, reach out and ask them, like, how'd you get there? Do you have some time to talk? Like call a random stranger, literally. They're bored too. Absolutely. Absolutely. I cannot um, stress that enough, how easy it is and how important it is to message people if you like what they're doing. Like when I started this podcast, I was like, oh my God, I have to cold message people and say, hey, do you want to talk about what you do? And I was always so nervous to do it. But everyone is so, if you if they love what they do, they're so excited to talk about it and share it. And I know like working on the boat, I'd often get like kids, like teenagers even asking me, they're like, man, like, how do I do what you do? And I'm like, oh my goodness, let's talk. Let's chat. Here's my email. Like, ask me questions like yes if they love their job they're gonna love sharing it with you yeah and I love that mentor role um that's part of the reason I became a dive instructor and I kept climbing the scuba diving instructor ladder so that I could teach like pro level courses mostly like my favorite course to teach is dive master because it's more of a mentor role and yeah so we're all about it and there's also so another great piece of advice there are a lot of scholarships out there if you like if you want to get certified to scuba dive but you're not a diver yet the the women's diver hall of fame i think they have something like 20 to 30 scholarships up right now for application and in all different categories and if you get one you can put that money towards becoming certified that's literally what it's for and you don't have to be a girl they are focusing on women but there are are some scholarships open to men and women so i love that yeah find out if you want to do something or go somewhere find out if you can make someone else pay for you to do it like (laughs) so i love that that was actually you know one of the many reasons that i wanted to work on these ships i'm like i want to get to antarctica someday but I want someone to pay me to do it. And uh, yeah, exactly. So with this job, you know, one day, someday, I am going to get paid to go to Antarctica and scuba dive in Antarctica. And like, that was end goals. So like, you can do it. 
Well, Rachel, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It was awesome to have you on. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This was this is like a blast. I had a lot of fun chatting with you. I love it. I'm so excited to share this. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Water Women podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, don't forget to rate and subscribe to it. You can also follow us on all of our social medias. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Water Women Podcast and on Twitter at Water Women Pod. You can also find more behind-the-scenes info on our website, waterwomenpodcast.ca. I am so happy to keep sharing these stories of different water women each week with you. And until next week, stay salty.